0: Welcome back to episode 101 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices. You guys know that. Call me. Text me. I don't care. Send me a smoke signal. I want to hear from you guys. I need to know what's bugging you because if it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging me, and it should be bugging most everybody out there. So email me, Jeff at npdude.com. I'm not giving you my phone number, but you can PM me on Facebook. Um, You can catch me personally, or you can get me at The NPDude. You can go ahead and look at The NPDude Facebook page. Don't forget to like and share the show. You guys are doing a great job. We're at like 1530, I think. So it went up pretty quick, and I've I've been really, really, really busy over the last you know four or five days. So, um, Cub Scouts and work and charting from home and all the stuff that goes along with being what we're what we're being. It just it makes it difficult. But but I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what's going on. I did get a couple of uh, good good um, responses back, and um, one of them was a, a Facebook message to me that was basically just a thank you and it was a newer graduate or a new newer student I should let me rephrase that sorry it's a student that's about to graduate so almost a new NP is what I was trying to say didn't come out very graceful and they don't have a lot of experience and yet they're doing they're kicking ass and so I say go kick ass you don't need a lot of experience in my opinion go back and listen to episode I don't know whatever it was 98 99 something like that um, and it, it, and I think that, that that's awesome I really do Just go get it done There's no excuse why anybody can't be successful in this field It doesn't matter about experience I think it helps to sell yourself But you also have to be careful that you're not too ingrained in your ways and you get a reputation the longer you work, if you're, you know, got kind of a crappy reputation and then you say, oh, well, I'm just going to go become an NP, that can, that can be a detractor because people know your name in the community. So sometimes it's a nice being a fresh set of eyes on you and, and being fresh to a, a practice or to a profession then, then um, you don't have a lot of baggage that you bring with you. So I, I applaud you, she, this person's got a couple interested docs that wanna talk to her about when she's done, that's great, and I love it. So thank you for those kind words, I do appreciate that. Um, but she also had one other thing in there that was um, that was a good co- comment, good question, and it's and it's, I think, often overlooked. And the question is, why do practitioners always bend to the insurance companies? You know, why do they dictate so much stuff in our practice? Why why do we have to deal with you know the low reimbursements from Medicare and Medicaid on things? Why or or not being covered for our patients? Why why do we, we do all that? And the you know that goes to a much bigger question that's harder to answer, but but in general, the way it works is it, you're kinda hand-tied if you wanna have patients. These are your clients. So you wanna keep these clients, you need to keep them happy, you need to do things that are gonna get the get coverage through their insurance and work through whatever whatever handcuffs they have as their contract with their insurer. So say for example I have a patient that comes in that's got hypertension and diabetes whatever, it doesn't matter. And they come with let's say diabetes cuz there's more problems with that. And this patient is perfect for trulicity. So, just a once weekly injectable, right? It would be perfect for this guy. And this guy is, you know, he got kind of crappy insurance, or he's Medicaid. Let's just say Medicaid because Medicaid, their Medicare is even worse. They don't, they don't pay for nothing. You got to fail on metformin for six weeks. Then you got to do glipizide. And then you got to do this and that and the other thing. And this poor, poor bastard's got to have A1Cs that puts his kidneys, eyes, and neuropathy issues at risk while we wait for things to fail. When I know that trulicity is going to be the answer or it would help. It would be a good answer or possible good solution. The, the problem is is that that i got to work within the confines of his insurance, or this guy's never going to get anything paid for. He's just going to not do anything, or he's going to go find another pr- practitioner or provider that's going to be able to work within the bounds of their insurance plan and get things done regardless. So it puts the handcuffs on you. Why do insurance companies do that? It's just the backdoor deals that these insurance companies have with pharmaceutical industries. Um, you know they, they, they cut deals. I get people that come in and say, you know what, I, I can't do... Simvastatin, right, I, I gotta do the more expensive versions, or like, you know, I, got, I can't do a, ter- a torvastat which is a generic cheapo, right, I gotta do Simvastatin, which is paid for, you know, by their insurance, and it's like, why would they do that, well, it's because they have a deal cut with the manufacturer that they get it cheaper through them, they reimbursed through their insurance, they pay less for it. <clears throat> So it's it's less of a deal. You know, they get a better deal on it is how that works. So, but that but they switch them all the time, right? Because it just depends on which vendor wants to play ball with them and and cut them the best deal. So that's why you get inhalers, as an example, the the daily long acting inhalers. Every every other week it seems like they change which one's preferred. It's ridiculous. And and you're you're right. It's it is a, it's a racket. It's a game. But if you wanna keep your clients and keep them happy, you gotta work within the confines of the uh, insurance companies, you really just do. Now, could you go do a cash-only basis? I've talked about cash-only basis in the past. And, and I think that you can in certain areas of, of the country, in certain, in certain client client base, you can make that happen. If you're on Medicare, And you've paid your dues, and you're now, you know, Medicaid. You got Part B, you got Part D, you got extra insurance plan to cover the 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 donut hole. You got all this stuff in place. Then, then the problem is, is that they're not going to pay extra to see you cash only. They've already got all their stuff in place. They're just going to go to whoever they want. Now, if it's somebody that falls in the donut hole, they might say, you know what, I just need to get this done, and my, you know, my hypertension medications really are pretty cheap if you keep me on the right meds, uh, then, then maybe you could do a cash-only basis with somebody that's all on Medicare or Medicaid. But Medicaid is a tough animal. I, don't, I just don't think you're going to crack that nut and be able to do cash-only. So then I'm saying that because this individual was kind of hinting towards, you know, why don't we just all go to cash-only basis and say F you to the, she didn't say that, I'm saying that, to the um, insurance companies. And and I'd say I'd love to say yes, but in reality, if you want to practice, you're going to have to have some insurance, unless you're in a very very particular niche market that allows you to be a cash only basis, or you've got such a sub specialty kind of cool niche thing like you know, uh, doing Botox or something like that, which is cash only anyways. Then then you you're, you're kind of stuck. You're not you're not going to be able to get around it. So you got to play ball. Now, the private insurances are one issue. They contract with the, with the, with the pharmaceutical industries, and that's pretty much it there. The, the bigger deal is the Medicare-Medicaid as far as dictating what you get because they're government, and half the country right now is on Medicare or Medicaid. Although that was an unpopular thing that Mitt Romney said, and I was not a Mitt Romney fan. Mitt Romney said, you know, half the country are takers and the other half are, are makers, and you got like 1% in the middle that decide who gets what. And that's true. It's so true. And it was honesty that came from a politician. It was kind of weird to see. Wasn't ready for that. But I'm not a Mitt Romney fan, right? So don't don't hold me that way. Um, it's a great question, though. It's just it's in practice. You just got to bend to it. There's really no there's no solution. You can't put your foot down. You put your foot down. Guess what? You just go out of business, or you don't know, get hired. So you got to play ball. You got to learn to play ball. It's just. The way it is until single single pair hits, and then we'll have to learn to play ball even more. And I was thinking about this. This was something that somebody had kind of hinted towards um, technology in you know in medical profession and things like that. And and it got me thinking about what you know twenty years from now, Star Trek type thing. Right? You know, back in the sixties with Star Trek and all this crap that they had, and the phasers and the tasers and the you know all these you know beam me up stuff. Right? This, this amazing technology. And I'm thinking to myself, what is it that is going to happen in the next, say, 20 years during my profession still? I'll still be working 20 years from now, unless I win the lottery or something, which I don't play, so that'd be hard to do. What are we going to be seeing? What's coming down the pipe for us as professional healthcare providers That that is going to be technology-driven? And I'm sitting there thinking about one one thing that just stemmed all this and I, I remember, I didn't see it because I don't watch that much TV, especially game shows, but there was a robot computer that was named Watson and some of you might have known or heard about Watson before, but Watson is this supercomputer that went up against this guy that won for like, ever the, the highest winning guy, his name was I think, Ken Jennings or Keith Jennings or something like that, I, I'm, I'm amazed I can actually kind of remember that but this guy was, like... He won for, like, months. This guy was the winner on Jeopardy. And it was, like, amazing. It just became kind of a joke. This guy was on all the time. And he was making so much money. He was, it was ridiculous. Well, he went against Watson. And Watson crushed him. Right? And then they took Watson. And another experiment. They, they uploaded a bunch of symptoms and signs of a patient. That was really complex. And then he went head-to-head with, like, top physicians... In, the, in those specific areas, and Watson crushed him on diagnosis. So, my, my future, I think, holds technology in a way that we haven't even contemplated yet. And I think that the capability is there now, but it's not either economically feasible or it would be socially unacceptable, and, and especially politically unacceptable, for technology to start taking over healthcare providers' positions. But I envision in the future, especially after single-payer takes over, because then we really won't have any say whatsoever in how our healthcare is delivered. We will say yes and please and thank you, and it'll be just like, you know, mall? No, there is no mall, right? It's going to be just like that. And I, I envision that what you'll have is some kind of device, whether it's your smartphone that the government gave you, or a tablet or you know, you look at your TV or you stand in front of something in your house that is you know, how the government scans you every day or something for your health, then I, I envision that you'll plug in or discuss with, with a computer what your symptoms are. It will monitor your vital signs and everything that we do basically in an outpatient office setting can be done through, through technology will happen. So it'll scan you, a full body scan, And then it'll make its diagnosis and then you'll have a drone or some kind of delivery device that just basically drops the medicine off on your front door a couple hours later. And it gives you advice, you know, like discharge summary, you know, uh, drink plenty of fluids, take ibuprofen and Tylenol, which we provided to you with your last illness and you should have three doses left. I think it'll be monitored that closely it's, I think it's going to be, you know, you don't, you, you don't just go down to the supermarket and buy ibuprofen or Tylenol anymore, I think it's just going to be sent to you, based upon your symptoms, and they'll be like, you have to take this, <laughs> or you, or, you know, the big brother, man, it's happening, it's going to happen, it will happen, and, um, it's going to be scary as hell to me, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably won't pretend, I'll be living off grid in a cave somewhere, <laughs> leave me alone, man, <laughs> But, but I think that's coming. I really do. I think you're going to be able to look at your phone and, and plug in your symptoms just like you do in WebMD. Um, I think it'll be more streamlined than that. And, and the government will just basically say, here, you just sit tight, You know, cuddle up with a warm blanket and relax. You'll, your medicine will be there in three hours. If you want to watch where it is being delivered through the air on the, on the drone that's flying it to you, you can watch it on your app on your phone. So you can sit there and count them seconds until it drops the box. I, it's going to happen. It's just, I mean, now whether it's exactly that or not, I don't know. But the point being is I'm not sure that the, the healthcare provider for the masses will be, the you know, you take off work, you go to, the, um, to the, your practitioner's office, you wait for an hour and a half, you sign in, you pay your copay. You know, you sit back down, you wait another 20 minutes, then you go, go, you get roomed, they do your vitals, it takes another 20 minutes. That's not gonna happen. You're gonna get scanned. People will beg for it because it's so much more convenient, but you're gonna give up more liberties. So, convenience versus liberties will win again, right? The convenience is always gonna win over liberty. People are lazy. I mean, it's kind of cool. Don't get me wrong. I think it'd be really cool. Now, how does that apply to us? I I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen for us, especially in primary care. I I think that there will still be primary care practitioners that will handle things that that, um, the government will direct people to, like, say, you have you know, failed treatment with, you know, two times through the robot and it's not getting any better Then you go see your primary care as like a, a gatekeeper that would send, you know, like divert people left or right, left to a specialist right to go back home type of thing. And and I think that there's going to be that, but that's going to be a significant reduction in the, in the number of people that are going to be doing healthcare. And I think it's the same is going to go with specialists as, as well. I think specialists are safer longer than primary care, that goes without saying, but I think that, um, you know, we're all, we're all on the potential chopping block, now, the future of technology, this goes with everybody, there's a guy that I listen to his podcast, he's a wealth wealthsteading guy, he does like a, you know, podcast about, you know, instead of homesteading, it's like wealth steading, like things that you can do to, you know, save money, as well as, you know, invest smartly, and and future trends and things like that. He wrote this book that was about robots, right? What they're what it's going to mean to the to the the average American and what you're what you should be looking for with investments. And I tend to agree with this guy even though he's some some of the things I don't agree with, but with with most of what he was saying about this book. And I haven't read the book yet, but I want to. The the thing is is that that it's just, this is going to be every area in your life. We're going to see a huge change, a huge shift in the amount of people that, that are actually producing things versus robots computers and, and technology if, whether you want to believe it or not what you're listening to most likely in your hand right now what I'm talking on in my hand right now is a robot it's an electronic device that, that can essentially think it does tasks it, you know, I can say okay Google and it goes and finds the information for me that's, that's a robot that does, that's got a process and a procedure that's built into it. So they're already here. It's just your concept of robot is, you know, this thing from the 1950s that's got, you know, arms and legs and, a, you know, light bulb eyes. And that's not what a robot is. So recognizing that off the bat is important. But I also think that, that the huge shift that we have coming is going to displace workers in every field, every walk of life. And it, I, I, have, I fear for my children, I really do, because I don't know, you know, the, the old the old days, the old days being, you know, 10 years ago, you went to college, you, you know, did well in college and you did an internship or something and made some good contacts. You could have a decent job when you graduated. That's not the case now. You can go to college, you can go for even a good degree, and there's still not necessarily a good job for you. There's, there's people with engineering degrees that are baristas making coffee at Starbucks because they can't find a good job. So the the point being is that that if you are aware of what's coming or knowing that something's coming, at least you can keep your eyes open and see what the shift is going to look like so that you can position yourself just in case things go sideways. So one of the things that, that I always like to think about, or at least the argument that people make and I kind of think about is with every shift in the past, there's been a shift just to something different. So, you know, the horse and buggy went away. Well, the buggy makers, you know, lost all their, the buggy maker union couldn't do anything and they lost their pensions, right? I'm being, you know, facetious, but, and so then they went to make cars and then the cars are there and they make more cars and they become faster and more at better at it, well this stuff. Well, the problem was, is that as these, all of the examples that I've ever heard the time that it went from we're seeing a problem, you know, horse and buggy sales are down, to the complete switchover to automobile was years, maybe even decades. There was plenty of time for people to say, well, geez, I'm not going to find a job building buggies. I better move to Detroit and start making cars. So the migration occurred, and there was time for that. The problem in today's day and age is we work in an instantaneous world. There's too much that's going to happen too fast. Now, it's political suicide for it to happen fast. So I think what will happen is there'll be regulations that will decrease the speed of which the transition happens. But it's going to be much faster than it ever has been in the past. And it's going to be because if you know the politicians allow it to happen, they're all going to get voted out. So they'll be they'll be you know stomping in the streets about you know not being able to do it, and there's another fundamental reason why the government doesn't want a fast transition to this, and that's going to be because you can't tax a robot for its work. Now they will eventually they'll try to, but it'll be the big companies that that are making all the money. That you know the ten companies that make everything in the United States will pay all the taxes. Yeah, that's not going to work. It <laughs> just doesn't work. So. There's a, there is a fundamental reason why the government doesn't want it now because the more robots there are the less people that are out there swinging swinging hammers and and turning wrenches and sweeping sweeping up the floor and, and you know welding the same spot on every piece of equipment that comes past them in front of them. The problem there is that it's going to happen anyways the government can't stop it they'll slow it down some, but it, well, they won't stop it. And it'll still happen much faster than it's ever done in the past. The reason I'm thinking of that is because it's going to happen in healthcare too. It is. It's just going to happen fast. And so when you start seeing the writing on the wall of technology being out there, being approved by this agency or whatever, you know, there was this one thing. Now, I don't think this is there yet, but there was a. there's a table that you can buy that will administer sedation and monitor the patient just like an anesthesiologist it's a table that you buy it's very expensive so it's cost prohibitive now but the table does you know and i, and I don't know if we're there yet i don't know if i would trust it yet but in a couple of years it will be it'll be perfected this thing will be perfect and it'll be it won't have human error involved it'll it'll be monitoring the, the vital signs instead of what you know see the anesthesiologist sitting there on a smartphone checking out facebook It'll be checking rhythm strips. The second it sees something that it detects, it can adapt and, and administer medicines in a different way. So it doesn't, you know, even the specialists that, you know, that we think are safe may not be safe. This is out there. This technology exists. It's just, it's not something I would trust yet, but it's there. It will be there. How do I think you get around it? How do I think that you you protect yourself? What's the best way to do it? I'm a firm believer that when when technology becomes so advanced that most people don't have a a nine to five job that they go to, I believe that the way that you can be, um, let me see this, stable but maybe you know flourish in that type of environment is to provide specialty services that robots cannot do. The human touch the human the eye contact, the therapeutic level of talking to somebody. It, it, when I go to a, a stat care that has a, like an ATM service that could just diagnose me with sore throat and give me an antibiotic if I had strep, yeah, I probably would want to. Because I don't want to sit there and wait three hours for, for somebody to come and say, yeah, you need an augmentin. Like, I knew I need augmentin. Just give it to me, <laughs> you know? It, it, so, that, that that's that type of interaction doesn't need that therapeutic touch but psychiatry you know a robot is never going to be able to feel the way even though you can program it to act like it has feelings it's still inert it still doesn't have emotion it still doesn't have the feelings that another human being does and that human touch that human contact is going to be even more valuable than it ever was so I think that side of things will help us and I think that you may be cash only at that point. You'll be trading chickens and, and eggs and, you know, sides of pork for healthcare services. So the government can't catch it. I don't know. And a Conspiracy theorist coming out, right? Anyways, I, I just really think that it's a cool topic. I like to speculate on what's going to happen. And I think it would be... Um, neat to see what your guys, your thoughts are. What technology do you see being implemented in your practice? What do you see in the next five years, 10 years? I want to hear from you guys. I really do. I think it's just a neat topic. And, um, I think it's, you know, the, the more that we're all forward thinking, the better off we will be. And, and I think we have to look past the forward thinking of just, you know, how can I, you know, manipulate the system today so that I can make, you know, better reimbursements next year. I think that's very short sighted. Um you'd gotta do that, but I think that that's not where the the thought process should end. I think we need to think farther ahead than that. So I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what's going on with you guys. I want to know what's bugging you. I want to know everything that you guys are dealing with that's a pin in your ass because if it's a pin in the ass for you, it's a gotta be a pin in the ass for me. Now a couple other things I want to talk about. I waited till the end because I don't want to be a D about it. One thing, I always try to remind you guys to use the Amazon affiliate link on my website. So that is still up, still working. I'm still getting people buying stuff and I appreciate all that you guys are doing. I had somebody to eat, PM me the other day and my phone was dead in the water. Dead in the water. I had to, I'm on a brand new phone right now. They sent me one in the mail like overnight cuz my other phone died. And and so I was like dead in the water for a while and then when I, I got my old phone set up and by the time it updated everything cuz I haven't using it forever you know, I see like, I had like 5 PMs. So those of you that I waited a little bit to get back to you, it wasn't personal. It was truly a technical difficulty and I apologize, but I do appreciate you guys using the Amazon affiliate link. I had somebody come in and say, Hey, how do you get on there? And then they, you know, came back like an hour later. So yeah, I got it. So they, they found it out. You go to my website, the You can't do it from a Facebook page. You click on the link. That is the Amazon box. It will take you to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have. It does not cost you another dime. I promise you it doesn't. But what it does do is it kicks me a couple percent of your purchase. It's a way that I can help pay for Web hosting next year. That's what I'm using it for. So that that's a great way. If you want to support the show, you can always like and share the show. We're hitting um, pretty substantial numbers ever since that last one where you guys shared it like you know five or six times. And boom! I had like a ton of ton of people watching that one, looking at that one. Um, another thing I'm doing, I put a Facebook post out on the Ohio link. I have I have Mondays off right now because we are ramping up, and to be honest with you, I drive a distance, I do not want to drive a distance, and I don't like driving there anyways, it's too far away, but the problem is, is the, um, it was too much for five days a week because I was driving all the time. So I said, I'm gonna work four days a week and I may be going to three, we'll see what happens. And uh, so I'm looking for some legal work. If you guys have contracts that need reviewed, you gotta be an Ohio person. I'm not reviewing contracts out of state, I'll lose my law license, it's not worth it. I put a lot of money into that damn thing, I'm not losing it. But if you're in Ohio and you have a question or a comment, I'm taking clients on a very limited basis, mostly contract review, but not just contract review. So if you need a a sternly written letter or something like that, or you, you, you have another legal issue, real estate. I have a lot of real estate background, zoning issues, all that stuff. But if you have a question, PM me and, and, um, and I'll give you my phone number. We can talk. I'm cool with it. So, um, I have a lot of time in the car. I can do a lot of it while I'm talking in the car. Instead of doing podcasts, I could do a podcast and then talk to people. But this is not free legal advice, I am gonna charge for it. So we'll, we'll work out a fee before we go go further. Um, you tell me what's going on with you, that is free. And then uh, you know if it's something real quick and easy, I'll just give you the advice or point you to my podcast. But if it's something that's gonna require me to sit down and write letters or read contracts and things like that, I will charge you a fee. I'm gonna be extremely reasonable, but I still have to charge you what the going rate is, okay? It'll be the low end of the normal rate. And I'm not gonna tell you that because it depends on what it is. Okay. If it's something that takes me a while to look up stuff, then it's going to be a different price. Okay. So, um, I'm taking clients and, uh, one other quick thing, just a shameless plug. My wife is doing uh, Roden and fields. So if anybody wants rodent and fields out there, um, and you, or you're not happy with the service that you're getting from your current person, I don't know how that works. She is a, uh, consultant now she's picking up her business. This is just a little side hustle that she's doing just more for fun than anything. And, uh, So, uh, PM me for that. I'll get you in contact with her. So Roden and Fields, if you guys want it, let me know. I'll get, I'll get you in touch with my wife. I want to thank you guys. You guys are kicking ass, man. You guys are so cool. You're a great group of people. I love it. I love nurses. I really, really do. I love what I do. Every day I go to work. When I get to work, I'm okay. It's just driving there, man. I'm still stuck in traffic. I got people going slow, just irritating as heck, right? Um, I don't like charting all the time. That's getting old. But I love working with people. I love helping them. I love educating people. It's just so much fun. It is so fun. And, they're, and most of them are very thankful at what you do. So enjoy what you do. Be passionate about it. Help our profession. Promote our profession. And uh, have a wonderful day, guys. We'll talk soon.